Well, you mentioned surrendering, and that was a huge word for me in 2020, was to surrender to mm -hmm. the process. And I found that once I started focusing on surrendering, that it trickled through my professional life, my personal life, right? It allowed me to gain a perspective in situations that I couldn't control with people, dynamics, corporations, whatever, it allowed me to move through them easier in a way that had a little bit more perspective because I was constantly willingly putting myself in an environment that I couldn't control, the open water, I was able to then translate all of the lessons that I learned out there to situations I would find myself in or that would be happening around me. And it made it easier for me to navigate those particular challenging situations. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. Adulting can be hard, but you don't have to go it alone. I created this podcast to give you inspiration and let you know you're not alone in feeling stuck in midlife. Both men and women are welcome here, but if you are a woman, I also invite you to join our Midlife Uprising community for women, where we're making waves and reimagining what it means to age. Being part of this community for women will remind you on a regular basis that you're not too old and it's never too late to do that thing you've been thinking about. You can find more information at latebloomerliving.com forward slash community and I hope to see you there. When was the last time you surprised yourself by trying something new or pushing yourself to do something that scares you? I am very excited to introduce you to my guest today. Valerie Farber has always loved swimming. It's been a regular part of her routine for years. Swimming in a pool was a controlled and meditative way for her body and brain to quiet and connect through rhythmic movement. Now, when the swimming pools shut down in 2020 due to COVID, Valerie realized just how much she missed swimming and she knew she had a choice to make. She reluctantly started swimming in the open waters of Brooklyn, New York while fighting off long-held fears and anxiety about the big wild blue. She has managed to surprise herself and now swims year-round in the cold waters off Brooklyn, New York. I can't wait for you to hear her story. So, okay, without further ado, here's Valerie Farber. Hey, Valerie, thank you so much for being with me today. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy that you asked me to join this and, and chat with you. I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited too. So I just thought I'd mention yeah. um, that you and I met through what was called the What Works Network. Yep. 
we do these Monday huddles where we mm -hmm. get on a Zoom call and there's probably 10 to 20 of us in there on any given day, you know, and then something came up and you mentioned this open water swimming <laughs> that you're doing. And I was like, yes. what is that about? <laughs> I need to talk to Valerie. <laughs> yeah, I, I do tend to mention it a lot because it, it's so important and so exciting to me. It's like a little bit of adventure in the middle of Brooklyn and I just, I adore it. It's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. So, so let's, let's go back sure. to before you were doing open water swimming. Okay. Yeah. And, um, it, you started during COVID, right? Yeah. Yeah. I found myself out in the ocean in, I'd say July or August. The pools have been closed. I I'm a pretty avid swimmer. I was never on swim team, but I've always, gone to pools and lakes and been in water to kind of ground and calm myself or to center myself. When I was in design school and I was having trouble working through a project, I would go to the pool and swim it out and it would dislodge ideas and things like that. Um, so I used swimming. I would swim three to four days a week in a pool prior to COVID and um, really just loved being in that environment and moving my body in that way and help my mind. And, and it was just a very holistic practice for me. And so when COVID hit, all of the pools closed and I knew that I needed to stay active to help my, my mind. And I took up running, but running, I would injure myself a lot. And I was just missing the sort of embrace and the um, comfort of being in water. And so at some point I was like, you know, I, I'm not an ocean goer. I've never been comfortable in the ocean. I've always been a little afraid of it, but I just, I reached out to a friend who oddly I had met through a small business. Um, it was like, a um, it was like a boot camp of sorts for small businesses in the city here. And we had connected because she had been trying to build a pool facility as her business. And I was teaching swim lessons at the time and creating this in-home service for people in the city here. And we stayed connected over the years. And I knew that she had started or was a part of this group out in um, Brighton Beach called Sibos. Coney Island, Brighton Beach, open water swimmers. And so I reached out to her and said, hey, look, I, if you have time, I would just love like a crash course in how to stay safe and swim in the ocean. You know, to be honest, I'm afraid of it. So, but I, you know, I just want to, I just want to learn the environment because it's a completely new environment to me. And I know it, it comes with risks and I'd, I'd like to be able to understand it a little bit better. So she took me out for about an hour and she explained the basics. So um, how to understand which way the current is going when you first get in the water and then that you swim against the current when you're starting out so that you're doing the hard part first when you're the most rested mm -hmm. and that you, when you turn around, you're swimming with the current. Well, that's the goal, but um, that's the hope. So that when you turn around, you're swimming with the current, You, it's a little bit easier, right? To be able to sight because when you swim in a pool, you don't need to look forward because you know that, you know, the wall is coming and you generally know how many strokes you take. And usually somebody might be in front of you. So you don't have to look up to see that you're going straight because there are lane lines, everything is there for you. Mm -hmm. When you're in open water, there are no lane lines. And 
a lot of swimmers will swim in a way that they go either right or left because they kind of pool a little differently and they just, you know, veer, right? And so yeah. when you're in open water, you don't have the lane line. So you need to sight, which is just looking forward, taking your eyes and looking forward before you put your head back down to swim and take a breath to the side. So that was a new challenge for me to figure out how to get the sighting in and what to sight. And then depending on the ocean, if it's choppy, not being able to sight because the waves are too high. So you can't oh see. So you have, to, uh, you have to take a breath and then try again. And so yeah. it just became this journey of figuring out the sort of spatial conditions of the new environment that I was in and how I navigated myself within that, knowing that it was constantly going to change. So yeah, so I went to the ocean reluctantly. I stuck with it for a year, being wow. fairly uncomfortable, but, but happy that I was in water. And between the community and my dogged persistence and patience and trying things and learning, I just completely fell in love with it. And now I can't get enough of it. <laughs> wow. So did you, for that year, mm -hmm. did you constantly go with the same friend you mentioned a community mm -hmm. did, was she you was she like your your did you latch on to her and go just just take me yeah. with you I mean um, at first yeah at first because she is a very patient teacher and a very patient swim partner mm -hmm. um but as I got to know the community I got to know other people and I would try swimming with them it just sort of naturally, you know, you find your way as you do with any community, right? You sort of enter at a certain point and then you find your way through it or gravitate towards different people or, you know, push yourself to reach different levels and that lands you in a different group. So yeah, I swam with her for the summer, I'd say, and tried to stay consistently with her. I did challenge myself to go by myself. And I found there was one day that I went, it was probably early on, I went by myself and I, I must have felt strong that day. Or maybe I need to work through something, but I swam hard and I swam past where I normally swim. And when I kind of took a moment to look around, I thought, oh my God, I'm really... I'm really far out. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. I got so far, not far out from the shore because you swim parallel to the shore. So I did that okay, but I went further, a further distance and I, I wasn't familiar with the surroundings and I just got myself nervous. I got in my head. It was mm -hmm. probably within a month of me starting and, um, and I panicked and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to swim back and I'm not going to do this again. Like I'm going to pull it back. When I go by myself, I'm going to stay within an area that I know mm -hmm. and make sure that I'm calm and, you know, can feel comfortable because I was out there what felt like by myself. I'm sure there were other swimmers at some point here or there, but, um, but I just, I, I freaked myself out. And so oh, then I can imagine that would be scary. Yeah. yeah. So, so then I started, you know, reeling it back and I would swim to like the long jetty and back. And that was my that was my routine if I were by myself. And if there were others with me, then I would go further, but only with others. Yeah. And then it seems smart to me, especially yeah. when you're first starting. Out, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. When I, I now teach beginner open water swimming in the summers and I tell everybody that, you know, 
go with people. And I do couch it by saying, if you do come by yourself, please stay like where you are comfortable, like really back off it, you know, stay where you can stand. If that is what is comfortable for you Mm -hmm. only go one or two jetties and do a loop, like don't push it. You know, you, you, you can push yourself, but make sure you're doing it in a safe way and that you have the tools either at the ready to be able to keep yourself calm and safe, or there are others around you who can look out for you and be able to kind of reel you back in if your mind starts playing a little bit of, you know, hopscotch. Yeah. <laughs> look at you, man, from, from complete newbie beginner in 2020 to now teaching beginning lessons for other people. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> It's really fun. And I, I, we do get, um, we do get like pool swimmers who are just new to the ocean. And so they mm-hmm. don't carry a fear of the water and being in deep water or being in open water. They don't carry that fear. Yeah. So we teach them the important things like sighting and how to figure out the currents and all of that good practice, like making sure you have a buoy so that boats can see you, other swimmers can see you bright caps, right? So all of the sort of basics, we go through that. I need you to back up because I don't know what it Mm. means to have a buoy. So do you tie something onto yourself? Yeah. You can think of it as like, like, do you know what a dry bag is? Like, it's just like an inflatable that has a tether and you tie the tether around your waist and then Uh it drags behind you and it's brightly colored and it floats so that- People can see you if you're swimming far away. Boats can see you easier. Smart, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's not a life saving device in that you can't sort of hang. It's not like a life. It's not like a preserver. it's not like a flotation device. It's no, it's just you there can for float with it, but yeah, it's not meant for that. It's really yeah. just meant for keeping people safe visually. Yeah. And uh, and then we can also put our stuff in it. So because when we come to the beach, you know. It, like if there, I swim at sunrise, so there aren't very many people on the beach. And so you want to take your valuables. And so you put your valuables in the buoy. There you go. Gotcha. Everything is watertight. And then you go for a swim, come back wow. and you're all set. So many things to think about, right? I know. Yeah. Oh my it is goodness. a completely different system of, of things and yeah. a different environment. Yeah. And not yeah. only the water and your, you have the water and its conditions and you have your sort of routine and what you need to do to keep yourself safe. But then you also have the air, right? And and the the sun and the, you know, the sky, what the actual outside weather is doing, because that can affect the water. It can affect after you get out. Yeah. yeah, I've been thinking about the whole time you've been think, talking about the swimming, I've been mm-hmm. thinking about my time on the paddleboard. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, when I first started going in the in Long Island Sound, uh-huh. as opposed like the first time I went, it was on a on, a, on our Norwalk River, and it was very steady, easy. And you get out on the sound and and the first time I went on the sound, I was in the drink, like every two seconds, I was falling off my board just because there were, there were waves and, yeah. and, oh my gosh, just, I was just laughing. I was like, I can't even stand up. The last time I went, <laughs> I didn't fall at all, you know? Yeah. But what I have learned depending on the day and the time of day, it seems, and the, whether, what the tide's doing and the current, 
sometimes it's glassy and and pretty smooth. And those are like awesome days, you know, and then there's the choppy days. And sometimes on the choppy days, I just don't even stand up. I just get on my knees and go and, and just surrender to that. But I still love doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or I sit cross-legged. Sometimes I I just lie on my board and float and it's the best, most relaxing thing in the world. Yeah. Um, But I learned early on to go against the current in the beginning, like you were talking about, so that when I was paddling back, I didn't have to paddle back in against the current when I That's was right. tired. That's so right. I totally get that. Oh my, yeah. so, so much I can relate to with being on the board instead of actually being in the water, but yeah, being in the water would be next level. How old are you now? Yeah. I just turned 46. Just turned 46. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what has this open water swimming, like being, putting yourself in this position of like doing something that's so new and scary. Has that translated into other parts of your life? Like what, what have you learned about yourself in in the process? I guess. Yeah. Well, you mentioned surrendering and that was a huge word for me in 2020 was to surrender to Mm. the process. And I found that once I started focusing on surrendering, that it trickled through my professional life, my personal life, right? It allowed me to gain a perspective in situations that I couldn't control with people, dynamics, corporations, whatever. It allowed me to move through them easier in a way that had a little bit more perspective because I was constantly willingly putting myself in an environment that I couldn't control the open water, I was able to then translate all of the lessons that I learned out there to situations I would find myself in, or that would be happening around me. And it made it easier for me to navigate those particular challenging situations. So I've, I've found that it helps immensely with that. Um, And I noticed that if I skip now, I, I, I don't miss a week of swimming. I will always swim at least once, but if I don't swim like two or three times, I can notice that my brain space is a little cloudier. It's a little harder to navigate challenging moments. So I, I find that it has kept that thread throughout since I've started, um, which is really helpful. And then in terms of, I'm, I, I would attribute it to open water swimming. I feel like in my business and building my business, I've gotten bolder and more willing to experiment and, and take cues from the experimentation, if that makes sense. So yeah. So you're an architectural designer, right? And, And I loved, there was something that you, you know, when I, when I asked you to send me some information, when we booked this interview, we had already spoken, Mm -hmm. but you sent me a little bit of writing that I was like, oh, that is so interesting Mm. that, um, the process of doing the open water swimming and, and learning that Mm-hmm. You, you wrote that you leaned on the tools that you knew as mm-hmm. an architectural designer and strategist to spatially explore the environment and systems, mm-hmm. notice the unseen connections, listen to those with lived experience and shift your perspective to expand. Oh yeah. my gosh. I lo- <laughs> that is, woo. wow. So that's, that's how I move through the world in general. And um, 
it's what I know how to do. It's, it's the design background that I had when I went to architecture school and it can feel a little overwhelming at times to notice all the systems and, you know, see all the connections, but it really is how I make sense of the world. And so when I did go to, to the ocean and in a completely different and for me, very scary environment, I sort of, I leaned on those things that I knew to be able to make sense of it and find my own self through it. Right. To- I love that because I think, you know, we forget that our lived experience in one area is going to serve us when we step into doing something new. Like, I, I, I just think that, you know, we get to a certain age and we start to limit ourselves mm-hmm. from doing new things mm-hmm. because they are unknown. Mm-hmm. And, and we forget that we're badasses, that, that <laughs> there's, you know, this, that we have skills that we've developed over a lifetime that are transferable, that they mm-hmm. go, that are going to take us, you know, yeah, you're not going to be great right away at what you try, but trust yourself to mm-hmm. pull on those resources from your lived experience that those are going to eventually start to mesh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And I, I do, try to challenge myself. I'm an adventurer and an explorer at heart. So that's always been part of my DNA. And I think having taken that journey into the ocean and it meshing with a time where I really did need to lean into building my business a little more seriously because COVID had disrupted, you know, lots of the, I had a full-time job before COVID hit and I had been slowly building my business on the side, but once COVID hit, you know, I had to pivot pretty quickly because I had lost that full-time job. And based on what I knew about the architectural industry and how tight it is to the economics, I didn't see that turning around so quickly. And so I, I pivoted, I pivoted pretty quickly. And, you know, my background was in designing public spaces. So libraries, co-working spaces, healthcare environments, performing arts, those types of spaces. And those were the spaces that weren't being used or developed at that time. So Right. And who knew when that was exactly. going to come back at that time too. That exactly. Was... Or if it was going to shift into a completely different model. So yeah. I took a look at, you know, we were all kind of on Zoom at that time. And I know that there were, we were leaning on in the network that, that, small business group that you mentioned earlier, we were active in there. And then other communities were were becoming more active on Zoom. And I just started paying attention to what family and friends and communities were saying. And everybody was struggling and having to make their homes a space now that contained both their private routines as well as their public routines. And I thought, oh, I... I know what's going on here. I mean, when we design a public space, we have to we have to navigate a bunch of different stakeholders, a bunch of different people who need different things. So think about a co-working space. You have the people who operate the co-working space. You have the businesses that are part of the co-working space. You have the operating systems of photocopying, lunchtime, mail delivery, all of these different systems are at play and everybody needs something a little bit different, but obviously similar enough that you're, you're congregating all together. 
it's the same in a home, right? You're all congregating together because you're a family mm -hmm. and you all need similar things, but you're individuals. So you need your own things as well. And so I started to talk with people about how to understand the systems that were being created in their home that were new systems and how that was disrupting their existing systems and then how to marry them together and to help people understand that they could create space in a way that supported them through this change. And so that service, you know, through the year took on different iterations and, and now I, for residential individuals, I help them understand how to create space during times of transition for their home, for their head, for their heart. So a very holistic look at basically what was a public space exercise, how to look at operations, systems, your personal needs, and then the physical space and how that all ties together. Wow. Wow. What a cool pivot. Yeah. Yeah. It was surprising. It was surprising. Yeah. I, I had never been interested in doing residential design. I had always focused and gravitated towards the public sphere. And so it was interesting to mesh those two worlds together. It was, it did was really you, fascinating. I have to wonder, did the pivot in your business come before, during, or after embracing the open water swimming? Yeah. So the idea for pivoting, I tested it out. There is a an organization, it's it's global, so you may know of it, called Creative Mornings. And they had offered, they had pivoted themselves because they were mostly an in-person once a month gathering in um, whatever city was that your chapter was in. And they pivoted and they put a call out to people to host virtual field trips where you could get on a Zoom call with, I think upwards of 800 people globally could sign up. And um, you could teach them something or share something or, you know, just present something to them. And so I tested out this idea of how to sort of make what I call intentional space making, looking at your space holistically, walking through the systems, understanding them, all of that. And, and it, it had a good response. And so that was fairly early on. I think I was laid off in April and I gave that talk in May, but then because I wasn't swimming and able to let my brain sort of reset in that manner, I wasn't able to take quick action to make that pivot happen. So I was moving really slowly in getting a service up and running and reaching out, doing marketing, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And when it became like, just my mental health was just not, it was struggling. And, and that's the point where I was like, I got to get in water. And that's when I went to the ocean. And after that, it I was able to kind of get a different baseline and I could take on the effort of creating that service and offering it to people and, and, and having clients and marketing and all of that. So yeah. it was sort of an in tandem, I guess. Yeah. It sounds like it. Yeah. It sounds like it, it went hand in hand. Mm-hmm. That is very cool. And now yeah. you're, you swim like year round in the open water, right? Cold, do. doesn't matter. Yep. Wind, <laughs> snow, rain, oh sleep. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that really is fun. so impressive. My goodness. So what are you excited about that is coming up? Actually, let me, let me stop. 
I have a question for you. Okay. From where you are now Mm -hmm. and you're 46, Mm -hmm. has your vision of yourself as an older person, Mm -hmm. let's say 60s, 70s, has that shifted in the past few years? Is that anything you could identify? I'm just curious. I don't know. I guess like my parents are, my mom just turned 80 this year and my dad is going to be close behind her in September. And I look at their lives and they're very interesting because my dad is very focused on physical health. And um, I get a lot of my sort of diet hacking or biohacking or, you know, experimenting and tracking what's going on in my body from him and, and staying active. And my mom is very concerned with mental health, like, like avoiding dementia and keeping her brain active and reading and crossword puzzles and things like that. And so I look at them and I, and I think, well, if I can maintain the best of both of them, then I'll probably be doing okay. So I think for me, it's more about building habits now that can carry me through those ages. I try to maintain my current habits for longevity, I guess is, is the point. I, I do have lots of friends who are in the swim group who are older than me, who are taking on big, big challenges, like swimming the English channel and doing these marathon swims. And while I'm not sure that I'll be a marathon swimmer, these marathon distances of 10K and upwards, I do like the idea of maintaining that sense of adventure regardless of age. And I think swimming is a beautiful way to do it because it is so gentle on your body and affords you much more mobility freedom as you get older. So I just, yeah, I take it day by day and, and build in the habits that I believe will, will keep me young at heart and in body, you know, at whatever age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for answering that. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. So what are you excited about that's coming up? So I guess two things, one with the swimming, I signed up for the Arctic circle swim, which takes place in Finland and Sweden. So you start on the Finnish shore at midnight in July. So it's under the midnight sun mm-hmm. and you swim 3000 meters, which is about 1.8 miles down river, the river that borders Finland and Sweden. Mm-hmm. And once you reach your destination, you exit on the Swedish side. So I'm, I'm excited for that. And the water will be a little colder because it's above the Arctic Circle. Sorry, I forgot to say you cross the Arctic Circle oh, on wow. the swim. And so the water will be probably likely in the 60s, which actually is perfect temperature for me now that I've gone through a few winters. But I'm really excited about that. And I have a few swimmer friends who've signed up and it's a long distance for me. I only started swimming two miles this past summer. So it's at the upper edge of what I'm able to do at the moment, but I'm training for it. So I, I feel like it'll be good. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then business-wise, I'm creating an audio course. And it is basically what we talked about earlier, where 
It's a it's an on-demand course where you'll have exercises to do. The audio will be fed through your podcast of choice, so you can listen to it while you're on the go. And it just helps you um, organize and ground and find clarity and calm during times of transition in your home. So that could look like having a toddler who's learning to walk and having to reconfigure everything in your home or empty nesters who are looking at college age kids and how their home space is different without them around or welcoming post-college age kids back. (laughs) Yep. It could be useful for people who are starting to do work from home and need to figure out their systems in that moment or aging and different abilities to be able to navigate as you, as you shift and move forward in your, your age. Wow. Um, Those are all so relevant. I mean, these are the things, these are the life shifts. These are the adjustments that we go through in the course Mm -hmm. of a lifetime. That's incredible. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Yeah. So you're in the middle of developing it right now. Is it something that people can find or should they get on a waiting list to get more information from you? Thanks for asking. You can go to spatialmedium.com. And I'll have a link there and hopefully it will help people as I think we're kind of all realizing that change is going to happen no matter what. And the better we can have support systems in place for that, right? The better we can navigate it. So fantastic. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited for you for all of it. Wow. That Arctic swim. I know. I'm excited. Blowing my mind, blowing my mind. <laughs> so amazing. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank I, I, you. This was a, a total delight. Yeah, I agree. Thank you Art. so much. Well, there you have it. When faced with obstacles, you have a choice. Give in and give up or find a way around the obstacle, embrace the challenge and surprise yourself. Swimming in the open water was unpredictable and scary for Valerie. It required her to deliberately enter a space that was ever-changing and uncomfortable. Finding a way to calm herself was a requirement to keep her safe from drowning or injury. And I love that Valerie leaned on the tools that she knew as an architectural designer and strategist. Spatially explore the environment and systems notice the unseen connections, listen to those with lived experience, and shift your perspective to expand. To her surprise, it worked. It expanded her sense of what she was capable of and helped her pivot her architectural business. When we embrace the unknown and move through our fears, we are unstoppable, my friend. If you want more information about Valerie's swim classes, if you're feeling adventurous, or her audio course, Creating Space During Life Transitions, I will have all the links for you in the show notes. You can just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast and click on the show notes for episode 141. And hey, by the way, the next meetup for the Midlife Uprising community is May 9th. You can find more information about how to join this wave-making group of women at latebloomerliving.com forward slash community. I hope you'll join us. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.